Imagine that you have come home from work one day. You enter the house and put your keys on the table, but you notice something amiss, but you can't immediately put your finger on what it is. Something just doesn't seem right. So you pause and turn your head to listen and smell better. There seems to be a musty or damp smell that is not usually there. Is that a dripping sound? And then you see it. In the hallway, the carpet is a darker shade than it ought to be. The drywall, too, has a different look to it. A dull shine that should not be there. And so suddenly you realize that a pipe has burst in the bathroom and has been leaking all day, soaking the carpet, the walls, the woodwork, and many other things. Immediately you rush to turn off the water to the sink or to the house. You hope there won't be too much damage, but honestly, you're not optimistic. You squish your way back down the hallway to get out a mop or a shop back and clean up the immediate mess. But that was the easy part. Now there is the hard labor of cleaning up the long-term effects of the water damage. Actually fixing the leak, replacing the carpets and walls, and getting things back to normal. Not to mention paying for all this work. And that is where we are now, as a church and as a society. This analogy could apply to many situations, but there is one in particular that is most pressing. I will not hesitate to name it. Pornography. Yes, pornography. While we have been busy at work, doing lots of important things, this action of the devil has been quietly and most unobservedly doing great damage to our families and to our society. Sadly, we as a church are only just now really coming home to realize what has happened. And what has happened is that a whole generation has been exposed to and indoctrinated with the culture of pornography and all that it stands for. Broken relationships, objectification, shame, guilt, slavery, despair, and worst of all, estrangement from God. We all know that pornography and its accompanying action exist, but most people comfort themselves by dismissing it as something that only 16-year-old boys or creepy old men in their mom's basement do. But that is sadly far from the case. I can tell you from both I can tell you both from my side of the confessional and from scientific studies that something like 70% of men and a less but growing number of women intentionally access pornography at least once per month. Many, of course, are far more frequent users. This is not just one room, but flooded, but nearly the whole house. Perhaps, though, this still seems implausible. Surely, Father, it's not so bad, you might say. If you have a hard time believing it, let us consider what pornography causes in society, the, the symptoms of it, and then ask if we do not see those problems exactly. First, broken relationships. Sexual attraction is a powerful force that binds people together. This is how God made sex. In the context of marriage, this is wonderful, beautiful, and a gift from God. Pornography, however, is a continuing string of forming and breaking relationships. No wonder, then, that so many people don't know how to form lasting relationships. Objectification. Pornography treats other human beings as merely objects to be used and then discarded. How often have you had that friend who hung around you only so long as they could borrow money or use you for an emotional crutch, but when you needed something, they were nowhere to be found? Or even worse, abortion. Sex is treated just as entertainment to be used and disposed of, and so when it results in a baby, as God intended it to, the baby is disposed of too, like some worthless object. Shame, guilt, and slavery. Pornography automatically causes shame because we know innately that this is not how sex is supposed to work. It is exactly the same mechanism that made Adam and Eve feel shame 
as soon as they had eaten the fruit. This shame creates guilt, and the guilt enslaves us, because that's what the devil wants. Guilt is supposed to turn our hearts back to God, but the devil twists it and whispers into our ears that God will never forgive us for something so shameful. And then we despair because we think God will never forgive. And so we keep going because what does it matter anymore? And the cycle of shame and despair drives us further and further away from God. And the devil laughs with, laughs with delight, having accomplished his purpose. Yet are we not Christians? We are. We know that we know that liar and the coward the devil because Christ our Savior has already done battle with him and beaten him. And so there is hope. There is always hope. It is no accident that the Archbishop has decided that this is the weekend to speak of this. The lesson of the prodigal son is the perfect antidote. The prodigal son takes his inheritance from his father. He takes his God-given human dignity and sexuality and puts it to a wrong use. He thinks he is going to make himself happy, but instead it makes him miserable. How familiar is that to anyone who has used pornography? Finally, he hits rock bottom and comes to his senses. If we aren't at rock bottom as a, as a society yet, we might be close. The sooner we come to our senses, the better. So let today be the beginning of our coming to, to our senses. We can no longer afford to treat this as somebody else's problem. It affects every family and every member of society. Would that Catholics were at the head of this charge for eradicating this scourge from society. But we can do it. But to begin, we must be honest and pragmatic as well as faithful to our Savior. The path is, of course, difficult, but perhaps more straightforward than we might think. The first thing is to talk about it. Perhaps you've been cringing throughout this homily every time I've used the word. I do not apologize. Fear of the topic is exactly how we got to this moment. We have to start by acknowledging the situation. Pornography is real, and it is a real problem. It won't go away by ignoring it. Once we acknowledge it, then we can fight it. And the first battleground is, is in the home. Kids' first exposure to pornography comes somewhere around 9 to 12 years old. Yes, that young. In fact, when I said that at the first homily I preached, the first mass preached this homily at, a kid came up to me later and said, Yeah, Father, in my sixth grade classroom, there were some kids a few desks away that had their phones out looking at and talking about pornography in class. So yes, that young, kids are seeing these things. And so it's essential that we take steps to build defenses against pornography, even for young children. But there are age-appropriate ways to do so, and it's more about preaching positive than saying, no, don't do that. We can say simple things like, pornography is a picture or video of people with no or not enough clothes on. If you see this, if you see something like this, look away and tell an adult. It's just like we would tell them not to cross the street without looking both ways. Next, we need to make sure that they know that they are beautiful and beloved and created in the image of God. Their body is not something to be ashamed of, but to be respected. They are made in the image of God, and they should avoid anything that makes them feel differently. Neither of these steps require any unnecessary descriptions or awkward explanations, and can be used with kids even very young. To their minds, it will be the same category of no's as don't touch a hot stove or always wear a seatbelt. The bigger picture is remembering the source of our freedom from sin, guilt, and shame is the power and mercy of Christ. The devil lies that pornography is not a sin. He lies that it is okay and doesn't hurt anyone. The devil lies that God doesn't love you. 
The devil lies that you are unworthy of mercy. The devil is a liar. Never listen to him. Listen instead to God and his church, who loves you deeply and wants you to be wants your family to be free, loving, respectful, joyful, and holy. Look what happens when the prodigal son to the prodigal son. He thinks that he will have to slink back to his father and just become one of the hired workers. But his father instead drops everything and welcomes him back with open arms, with music and dancing. So also God wants to do with us, with each and every one of you, whether it be the sin of pornography or any other sins at all. Today we are going to be giving out, or we gave out at Mass today, a resource that is going to help tackle this huge problem. It's a little book called Equipped. Smart Catholic Parenting in a Sexualized Culture. It is a little book, book put together by Covenant Eyes, and it talks about the things that I have mentioned and much more, and gives many practical resources and tools for securing your home and your family life from the dangers of pornography. Tools like securing the internet and the devices your kids have access to. That's probably the most important thing, aside from just talking to them about it. You have locks on your doors, you close the windows, you keep bad people out, you keep them from hurting themselves and things like that. So then why would you give your kids in the palm of their hand access to all of the internet and all the very dangerous things that are there? I promise you the internet is a dangerous, dangerous place for children. Do not let your children have open access to that or people have access to them. Put safeguards on your technology. Every family should invest in this little book or something like it. Because if the numbers are true, this is a very serious situation. We need to prepare our kids for this, but also, if we're honest, prepare ourselves. The numbers don't lie, and so that means that many adults need to hear, but need to talk to themselves about this as well. Do not be afraid to seek out the sacrament of reconciliation. Seek out God's mercy and freedom that he wants to give you. Do not be afraid to talk to your priest or some other minister, somebody who can help. These are perhaps awkward topics, but we can cover this. It shouldn't be any more difficult to talk about than drug abuse or alcoholism. This is a, a scourge society that needs to be discussed. Above all, remember that we are not without hope. We are never without hope. We can turn the tide. If damage has already been done, there is healing. If there is already addiction, there is freedom. If tender eyes have already seen too much, which they probably have, it is not too late to make an evil experience into a positive opportunity. We are still sojourning in this season of Lent. As we move towards the Passion, we recall that when Jesus suffered and died, his disciples thought it was all over. They were in despair without hope. But then came the resurrection. The devil wants us to think that there is no hope, that we can't do it, that we are doomed. But that is a lie. The devil always lies. With Christ, who rose from the dead and lives forever, there is always hope. However great the evil, his power is always greater. In the flooding, flooded house example, they can always renovate and clean up even better than it was before. We may be lost, but we can be found. We might seem to be dead, but we can always return to life again.